0: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Stage Door Podcast, the podcast celebrating theatre and creativity
1: from onstage mishaps to career-defining moments.
0: Hosted by thespians, myself, Tori, and co-host Eliza. Fortnightly, we will bring you industry professional guests, deep dives, and more. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Stage Door Podcast, Before we get started with today's deep dive, I would like to acknowledge that I am on Gadigal land, the traditional custodians of the land on which we work, live, and record, and we recognize sovereignty was never ceded. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.
1: And I would like to acknowledge that I'm coming to you fresh from Carina country here in Adelaide, and it's lovely to be back on the record.
0: So you're lucky enough today to be joining us for another one of our incredible deep dives, co-hosted by our very own Gareth Isaac! Hello
1: Tori, lovely to see you slash hear you.
0: Oh, lovely to see and hear you too.
1: Greetings from sunny Adelaide.
0: Absolutely, where you're currently slaying the stage once again in Poppins, or once again continuing in Poppins. I feel like we obviously need to acknowledge the lack of Eliza. Eliza is still, as I said in last episode, currently killing it in rehearsals for Crybaby at the uh, Queensland Griffith University Conservatorium. Probably didn't say that correctly at all, but you know know where she is.
1: She's up north doing the thing.
0: Yeah, she's up north doing the thing. So she will not be joining us this week, but she will be back for the next episode. Obviously, we did take a cheeky little two-week hiatus while we got back on our feet because we have been absolutely running around like chickens with our heads cut off. But anyway, Anyway, enough of that. Let's jump into the episode.
1: And it is an absolute doozy, guys. This time around, we are bringing something a little different, a little unusual, a little spicy, one might say. Usually, with a deep dive, we'd be tackling a single musical that the audience has voted on, or a show that's currently doing its rounds through the cultural zeitgeist. But we've decided today to tackle a much larger topic that, at least in my opinion, doesn't get discussed as much as it should the history and implications of the Broadway musical Revival.
0: If the recent 2023 Tony Awards have shown us anything with awards for and performances by the casts of Camelot, Parade, Sweeney Todd's Into the Woods, and Funny Girl, musical theatre revivals are a big hit with the audiences at the moment. Not to mention the great number of revivals seen in our local theatres with Mary Poppins, Mamma Mia, and Beauty and the Beast currently playing, and shows like Grease, Chicago, and Wicked set to open their doors through 2023 and 2024.
1: the history of revivals on Broadway is difficult to track, given the opening of theatres there stretches back to the Revolutionary War, and shows were mounted and remounted as the producers saw fit. Every second theatre was putting on some variation of the same operas or Shakespearean plays, but records and sources have shown that play revivals far outstretch musical revivals, with Shakespeare's Hamlet being revived a whopping 65 times on the Broadway stage, compared to the Gershwin Brothers musical, Porgy and Bess, only being revived seven times.
0: Can we talk about that though? Porgy and Bess. Great show. Not a show that I would have imagined to have been revived so many times. Yeah, I
1: didn't expect that either. And the research that I dug up showed the reasons that it kept being revived was because no one was ever happy with it. Like, they were thrilled to keep putting it on and trying to find a way to make it meet their own expectations, which... Great from an artistic standpoint, you can keep bringing the same actors back and trying it again and again and again, but also, like, at some point, put it to bed. I will say, Porgy and Bess also holds the record for most wins for the Tony Award for Best Revival of a Musical. It's got two. Oh. (laughs) Well, here's the thing, it won for Best Revival in 1977, but until 1994... Best Revival was a combined category of plays and musicals. So it holds a record with uh, two wins for Anything Goes, Company, The King and I, and La Cage aux
0: mm. Yeah, so a bunch of
1: prestigious shows.
0: Interesting Revivals always fascinate me. I'm always excited to see what they're going to do with a revival. If it's something that I have not had an opportunity to see live, I'll always be excited for a revival. But I want to know that they're gonna do something fresh with it i feel like in my opinion there's no point bringing back a show that's the exact same show just over and over and over again there's a few different demographics that go and see theater there's like theater kids who were in it because they love theater um there's like the, the general population who you know it's, it's it's a night out it's a night out on the town you know but there are many different demographics. But when you think of, like, Theatre Kids, like, there are only certain shows that I will see multiple times. Like, for example, Come From Away. If that comes back again, I will see it again. Because it is a wonderful show and I get something new from it every time. However, there are other shows that, you know, come around that I'm still going to be excited to see. But it's like, if you've not done something different to it, how do, what's what's to draw me in to see this show that i'm just saying again just possibly with different actors yeah
1: i completely agree like from my perspective as someone who's you know in a revival at the moment if a show is coming back around that has not found a new message or something new to say something new to show to the audience then it's in my opinion kind of a missed opportunity Like, we do see a lot of cookie-cutter productions on the amateur and community theatre scene. I'm happy for those relics to just reproduce what they have seen and what they love and do the things that they would like to do. But when you're pouring that amount of money and that amount of time into producing an entirely new piece of theatre, like, well, not producing a new piece of theatre, I should say, like, what are you trying to do? Do. There is something to be said for nostalgia and bringing it back. And the the cynic in me is like, it's a cash grab at that point. Because let's look at the revivals that have come by in previous years on Broadway. Let's look, for example, at Camelot most recently. That has been a reimagining of a classic Learner and Low show that I don't think apparently hasn't done well at all because they have take, tried to say something new, which is great, Sorkin's work on the West Wing was phenomenal. I love him as a writer. But you took the magic out of it, literally. Like, it's the Arthurian legend. There's supposed to be magic. What are you you doing?
0: Yes, unfortunately, it has not done well. It is, in fact, closing early, which is sad. R.I.P. Camelot. But uh, see, something like that for Camelot, for example. For me, I've never had an opportunity to see that live. So I would absolutely be so keen... To see that and have the opportunity to see it. Even if it has been reimagined. To get to see and hear the music. And the book live. For myself with my own eyes. Is something great. That's that's where I, one of the reasons that I do love revivals. Because you know. The opportunity to see. Shows that I've not had an opportunity to see. Because they haven't been around. In such a long time. And I think there's something to be said for revivals. That do take a risk. And make changes. It's either going to work. Or it's not going to work. But you've, you've taken the risk to make the change. Which I think is one, for me, one of the most important things with a revival. Is to keep, you know, the original essence. But to go, okay, how can we make this applicable to now? How can we make this connect to a modern audience?
1: And on the flip side of that, you do have the shows that remain timeless. Like, I'm, I'm going counterpoint to everything I've just said about saying something new with a revival and finding a new way to connect to an audience. Look at something like Parade, like the most recent revival from the Encore stage into uh, Broadway now. I hate the fact that that show's message is still so relevant. Not a lot needed to be changed in that. Slap a new coat of paint on the set and put Ben Platt in the lead role and it's still so painfully obvious how much that show needs to be presented and the message needs to be said again and again. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's terrifying in an aspect where I want to see new artwork, but then the old stuff is still there and still good and still needs saying. That's terrifying to me.
0: Absolutely. And you take into account as well shows like Cabaret that is currently happening Um, on the West end, it is uh, not, you know, they have made changes as I feel like is capable with a show like Cabaret where you can bring it into the modern day without, but it still, it holds its meaning and it continues on throughout. And it is, it's horrifying. It's really awful when you're sitting in the theater going, oh, wow, this has such impact. This shouldn't still have this impact in 2023.
1: We shouldn't still be able to relate to a musical about Nazis in 2023.
0: We should not be going, wow, that reminds me of X, Y, and Z that happened a few (laughs) weeks ago or last year. It's, but it's also so amazing to know that people are seeing it and realizing.
1: I agree. Like there's something to be said about a show that is still bringing people in and still being able to resonate and be heard by crowds but uh on cabaret west end this actually brings to light another point that i wanted to bring up with the uh whole concept of a revival is the star pull like a revival will come Mm. along (laughs) yeah yeah i I know where you're going with this um a a revival (laughs) will come along and put a star in one of the roles in order to do bums on seats i think okay Sometimes you've got to do what you've got to do. Hell, it gave us Millsy and he's going gangbusters now. But at the moment, Cabaret, the reimagining, uh, has Maud Apatow in the role of Sally Bowles, who, if you don't know, Maud Apatow is the daughter of uh, famed actor director Judd Apatow. And apparently, not great. Not the best part of the production. So critics and audiences are questioning the need for her to be there in the first place conversely you have a bunch of star casts happening right now on broadway like every revival that is currently playing on broadway has these lead players who are either broadway heavyweights or tv heavyweights or film heavyweights who are just proving themselves time and time again our lord and savior josh groban for instance our boy gayton maserato coming back to his broadway roots from when he was gavroche
0: daniel radcliffe yeah as a surprise success in Merrily, absolutely fantastic.
1: Yeah, well, even even prior to Merrily, like his debut was a Broadway revival of How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, and everyone was super skeptical about it. Then the Tony's performance happened, and he blew the fucking roof off.
0: Yeah, I think I love I love it when a big star casting can surprise me, hmm. even within the world of music theater performers coming back, you know, after they've really got the name for themselves, I'm always still a little bit like, okay, like let's, let's see, let's see what you can do with this. And, and you know, when they do well, it's really lovely to know. Okay, great. Like they're not just, it wasn't just that one thing that they were able to do. And, but you know, it, it doesn't always, as you said, work. Um, and I have a controversial opinion with, Beanie Feldstein as Fanny Bryce in Funny Girl. Now, I will say, I do not believe that she has the most wonderful voice for the role. I do think you need to have a powerful voice for that role. Um, But I really enjoyed what she did with that role, and I enjoyed seeing some diversity on the stage, specifically in relation to myself, body diversity. To be able to go, look at that. The ingenue. The funny, quirky lead role. The lead role that every femme actor has always, even if they know it's not their voice type, has always been, I want to be Fanny Bryce one day. You know? And to be able to actually see it and go, maybe I could. If Beanie can do it, maybe I could. She made choices that were so, so wonderful. And I know that she didn't have the best voice for it, which I do think is very important.
1: Yes, I completely agree. Beanie's voice was not as powerful as you would expect for a fanny. But I think the recasting with Leah Michelle. Okay, I get the joke. I get the glee gag. We don't need to actually do that, given that she's been proven to not be a great person to work with, as evidenced by one of her Glee co-stars, Jane Lynch, immediately leaving the production when Leah was cast. Like, I can read between the lines on this one. Yes, you can be very talented. Yes, you can be very good for a role, but you can also just be not a good person and a clear, like, star plant to get the audience numbers up. When, quite frankly, if I if I can be a completely left-of-centre, more on for a second, you had Julie Benko as Fanny Cover the whole time. The People's Fanny. Oh my fanny. God! You, she was right there. You could have yes. just bumped her up. The show, I don't think, was doing that badly that you couldn't just have no. her helm the role.
0: No, not at all. I think that they made a look. Leah Michelle has a fantastic voice, and she kills it. Don't run in my parade at the Tonys stunning. Yeah. Every song I've heard her sing for the role fantastic. But it yeah, it it feels it feels
1: like a gimmick? A
0: what am I trying to think of? It feels like a gimmick. It doesn't it doesn't feel like an like a choice that was made with thought of going, this is the story that we're telling and this is the person that's going to tell that story best. It was well, everybody thought it was going to be Leah Michelle. So, we'll just make it Leah Michelle. And I'm like, Julie Benko is right there and is amazing. The amount of clips and things that I have seen of Julie Benko. She is hilarious and she is this role hmm. to a team. I agree. Why not just like...
1: Yeah, uh, and it again brings up the point. Why was Funny Girl revived in the first place? Because by all accounts, it's it's kind of just the same show over again. Like they're trying to recapture lightning in a bottle, I think.
0: Yeah, and look, don't get me wrong, it's a classic and it's one of the ones where, you know, so when it comes to like somewhere like Broadway and you've got such a variety of shows happening at any one time of like new shows, old shows, it's nice to, you know, have something that's kind of feels like um, classic Broadway theatre, you know, because I feel like there is, there can be a lack of that sometimes with a lot of the newer shows. Or a lot of jukebox musicals happening. Um, so I can kind of see it from that point of view. I don't necessarily see it as, for example, Parade, where you go, this is, there is a reason why this is being put on, and it needs to be being put on. Mm-hmm, I completely Funny agree. Girl feels much more kind of, you know, uh, a throwback. And going, hey, this is the golden age of music theatre, and I'm not against that. And it's, you know, it's a fun show. It's a fun show with a good heart.
1: Well, I, I I do agree. Like we have to pay homage to the golden age of Broadway. It's it's what made the Great White Way the way it is. Like these classic shows, and some of them don't want to get lost to time. But again, like mm-hmm. the worry that nothing new can be said, or certain shows just can't be done anymore because of like certain elements in the script that need to be rewritten. Like. For example, when I mentioned Camelot, they took all the magic out. Um, uh, Like, one of the biggest um, revivals of shows was South Pacific for a long time. And there's a lot of elements in that show that, frankly, aren't great anymore. And that was early 2000s. So, you know, it does raise the question. Classical shows, revivals, what can be said that is new How do we adapt it for the modern day? So uh, all this discussion is making me really come to grips with the fact that any revival is an absolute risk.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Because there is, you know, there is the thing, like we've been saying this whole time, do you take a risk and try something new? Do you keep the original message? Do you try and find a meld? Because we want to see you do new interesting things with these shows but there's a, there is always the risk of if you try something new and it doesn't quite land.
1: You start getting nostalgic for what the show was, like this memory of the show that happened the first time around.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it, it makes me interested to see with Australia. And we were talking about this before we started recording. Australia does a lot of revivals. They don't often call them revivals, but they do a lot of revivals. And so I'm always curious to see what has changed because I feel like, I would say what, 80% of the shows that we get in Oz are revivals or new productions of you know, golden age musicals. For example, Wicked is coming and I'm very curious to see what, if anything, is going to be different. I know when I saw Poppins that whilst I don't know if there was necessarily a lot different in terms of the technical aspects of the show or the writing of the show. But there was this whole new magic imbued in the show. I remember seeing it back when it was here last and I couldn't tell you when that
1: was. I mean I mean I can tell you when it was twenty eleven. <laughs> well, there you I, go. I was sitting right here. You could have just could have just said, When was it last here, Gareth? <laughs> Utilize the resources you have. I'm sorry.
0: um but seeing it this time i remember not particularly enjoying it last time but this time it feels like there was just such magic it was po- it's possibly one of the best shows i've seen in australia Ooh. in a while there was this new magic imbued in it and i feel like it was possibly to do with the way that actors um, and performers are you know kind of slowly being treated as storytellers and individual storytellers not just you are a chorus of people you must do the same you must act the same because there was such magic constantly in that show yeah
1: and for a long time that is how a lot of shows that have come to australia have been treated like there have been productions of chicago where it's like cool we did this last time it worked let's do it exactly the same again you're gonna act like this last person who did the role one thing that surprised me was phantom of the opera when we got In one year, we had two different productions of that show, and one was a complete ground-up reimagining because it was performed on Sydney Harbour, which was great, but the rain was monstrous for both us and the performers, and the second was the new touring production that had hit the UK for a while, that we got that finally over here, we got to see exactly what had changed, the motivations, which alterations in the score, the script, the book, etc, etc, and that was good. I was happy that we got to see all of this new take on the material. If we had just got the Howl Prince production, as much as I, you know, worship the ground that he once walked on, rest in power, you beautiful golden god, I think I would have been disappointed because, like, we we had that many, many times. New York had that many, many times. The West End has had that many, many times.
0: It's It's a tough
1: one. It's a very tough one to approach.
0: I think unless it's a show that hasn't been done in a very long time you you need to make you need to make it interesting and different because you need to i think not tailor it to the audience that would have already seen it but you know take into consideration that a good chunk of your audience are going to be theatre lovers. And if we just come and see the same thing we've seen again, we'll be like, yeah, it was great. But like, the you know, there, was, I, there wasn't there was necessarily a whole a lot of point in me going other than we're trying to support the arts in Australia. I
1: have just spent 70 to to $100 to see something I could have seen 10 years ago. And now the drinks are more expensive.
0: Yes. Oh, everything. Everything. And I understand... Why? doesn't mean it's not allowed to frustrate me. I understand why. Theatre is much more expensive in the year 2023. The
1: year of our Lord 2023 is also how much it costs a theatre ticket. $2,023. Um, so um, we are at that point, that midway point of our record, Tori, where I've been allowed yes. to cook up a game. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know why you keep letting me do this it is but here's the thing last time i did a one person trivia contest with eliza and this time i'm gonna have to do a one person trivia contest with you like you know (laughs) the opposite ends have to meet and that is what i've done i have cooked up a broadway revival multiple choice trivia game everything you get wrong is a point to me Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like we have to spice it up somehow. I need to feel special. Okay,
0: okay, you are. All special.
1: right. Th- thank you. Okay. Question number one. Remember, these are multiple choice. Which musical was the first to be revived on Broadway? Was it Carousel, Showboat, or Oklahoma?
0: Oh, I've been asked this question before, but it was a long time ago. <laughs> Car- Carousel, Oklahoma, or Showboat. I want it... Oh, this is hard.
1: Yeah, it's a toughie, right?
0: I wanna say Carousel.
1: You would be incorrect. It was indeed Showboat. Showboat first premiered in 1927 and was revived a Stark five years later in
0: 1932. Oh. They really they really let that one. Yeah, it's age- a real tight
1: <laughs> turnaround on that one. But unfortunately, that's just the nature. Okay. We are now moving ahead through time. Who of these actors did not star in the 1992 Broadway revival of Guys and Dolls? Was it J.K. Simmons, Nathan Lane, or Patrick Page?
0: Oh, I feel like Patrick Page would have. That feels like the right vibe.
1: I mean, up to you. We're trying to figure out who wouldn't, though.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm gonna say J.K. Simmons. Incorrect.
1: J.K. Simmons, a.k.a. J. Jonah Jameson from the Spider-Man franchise, Cave Johnson from Portal 2, and Tenzin from Korra, the Legend of Aang or whatever, whatever the sequel series was called, did appear in the 1992 Guys and Dolls revival. Patrick Page did not. And Nathan Lane played Nathan Detroit. That's where he got his stage name. There is your fun fact for this one. Which of these revivals won the most... Tony Awards, was it Ooh, Chicago, okay. South Pacific, or Parade?
0: Parade.
1: You're just coming right out of the gate with an answer.
0: Oh, I think. Well, so. you're
1: wrong again.
0: God dang it!
1: <laughs> Everything. Yeah, you wrong. are. You are really whiffing <laughs> on this one. Like I'm, I'm throwing you the balls, and you're just looking at the my sky. My brain,
0: my brain just went to they won.
1: They only won. The most recent production only won two Tony Awards. Chicago won six, Mm. but then South Pacific pipped it by winning seven for their their Mm. early 2000s revival.
0: Oh, you know what? I confused myself because in the speech for Parade, when they won Best Revival, they said, because they won when... They originally did it, and but my brain was like, oh, they said that they had already won. Um, but so <laughs> no, you, no, you really confused uh, yourself. There you go. All right,
1: and our final yeah. question, which is talking about my boys Gilbert and Sullivan, my good, good sons of the operetta world. And because all this stuff is public domain, people can do whatever the hell they want with it. So they've been revived a lot on Broadway. So my question to you, Tori, which Gilbert and Sullivan operetta has been revived the most? Is it HMS Pinafore, the Pirates of Penzance, or the Mikado? Like, that's the big three. Ooh.
0: Ooh. Mm. I want to say... Oh, it's hard. I want to say HMS Pinafore because I know that the Hayes did it. Um, but that that doesn't necessarily mean no. anything. <laughs> um,
1: like, we, we can't just base our entire worldview on what the Hayes did.
0: <laughs> but we can! And we will! Um, Mikado. No.
1: Oh, you got. You got five seconds, Tori. Come on.
0: Ah, uh, Macado. <laughs>
1: Correct. Oh. <laughs> that was a guess. Yes, the Mikado has been revived the most on Broadway with thirty-two revivals followed by HMS Pinafore with 28, and my favourite, The Pirates of Penzance, only being revived 25 times. So it just goes to show, if you write a very racist operetta by modern standards, people will keep doing it.
0: Oh lord, I was going to say, I feel like I don't see Pirates of Penzance happening very
1: often, and there's a reason for it. No, Pirates of Penzance isn't the racist one. The Mikado is. It's all about Japanese culture. And it's very, it's very, very bad. Well, moving swiftly along from my terrible, terrible yes, loss. Yes, it's, it's all right. Look, you got one out of four, which is not great, but it's good for me because it makes me feel good.
0: Um, I'm glad it makes you feel good, Gary. Thank you. That's that's what matters. And i
1: tell you what else makes me feel good, talking about the state of Australian theatre. So I would love to hear a viewpoint of yours right now. I am in a revival of a musical. I am happy to point that out. Like a lot of my friends are currently employed in revivals of musicals in Australia. And our other two big shows at the moment are both jukeboxes. We're looking at Moulin Rouge. We're looking at Anne Juliet. So this raises, like for my observation, there is a sense of nostalgia about the familiar and the revival in general. And I think this is... Again, I'd love to hear your viewpoint on this. I'm just up on my soapbox spouting nonsense. I think the revivals in Australia at the moment are a sign that people want a bit of comfort after the last few years. You know, the the spicy trio of years that has been this pandemic, a lot of theatre-goers, and indeed a lot of theatre performers, lost a lot of hope. During the pandemic, we saw a lot of our newer musicals, Hamilton, Jagged Little Pill, Frozen, Come From Away, all just suddenly closing their doors. And people were losing money, especially the producers, but everyone who was going to go and see these shows never got the chance until the doors reopened. And even then it was a roll of the dice saying, cool, are they just going to are they gonna close up again? So I think at the moment, all these familiar shows coming back, Beauty and the Beast, admittedly with its wonderful uh, design upgrade, uh, Mary Poppins with a few new mm-hmm. technical aspects, Mamma Mia's coming back and just being so fucking fun. I think that is what, Australia kind of wants at the moment. And I'd love to hear your take.
0: A a portion of Australia wants that. Not all of us want that. I have nothing against the revivals. I know that also I'm very aware that these companies are trying to recoup their losses from COVID. You know, there's always that double-edged sword of we as performers understand both sides of this and both sides, it it hurts us either way. They're trying to recoup and the idea of taking a risk on a new show right now when they're still trying to recoup is probably very scary. However, I think all of these shows have been done wonderfully and the performers in them are fantastic. And being able to work in theatre in the year 2023 after almost two years of not being able to do anything because of COVID is so wonderful. I want to see something new. If I keep seeing the same things over and over and over again, I'm going to go insane. I want to see new stories. I and I've been saying this in general I think shows like Angelia and Moulin Rouge are wonderful, they're such a spectacle and they draw new people in which is an entirely other topic of how jukebox musicals draw new audiences in for theatre and create new theatre lovers because it's it's an easy access route to go, oh I know this music therefore I'll go to this and it won't be as overwhelming but I want to see new stories, like you look at What, like, absolutely took out the Tonys this year. Kimberly Akimbo. A new story. A new musical that is not a bio-musical. It is not a jukebox musical. I guess it is a bio-musical, but it's not a bio-musical of Britney Spears or Michael Jackson or Tina Turner. Which is not to say that those shows aren't fantastic because they're really good. I just, I crave, I crave new original theatre. I had the opportunity to see The Lucky Country by Vidya Macon only a few weeks ago, and that, I was in tears. It was a 60-minute show, and I was in tears. And not only the calibre of the show and the content of the show, but just getting to see new theatre, a new story that I haven't had the opportunity to hear or see before. That's what I crave.
1: I completely agree. It'll always annoy me that newer shows take so long to get to Australia because our main producers just like to you know have their few shows that they like to bring out of the mothballs every so often like i've heard rumors that annie's Mm. coming back why why are we getting annie oh my god we we were so we were so close to having waitress in 2019 i am sorry i will be forever mad that that never eventuated the auditions were happening they were in their final stages and then we lost it entirely and then covid happened so all the money dried up i'm sorry give us waitress please for the love of god
0: what happened with come from away how fantastic that was to get some new tasty theater in australia something that we haven't seen a hundred times people loved it and there are more shows out there like that i will admit i think that they've done something with a 90 minute musical people's attention spans are not what they used to be people want short and snappy (laughs) there is so much opportunity like again like we've been saying if you can do something new and fresh with your revival or uh, there is something happening at the time where you can link it back to what we're experiencing currently, then absolutely. But if it's just for the sake of money, and again, like I said before, double-edged sword, people getting to work, doing the job that they love, their passion, their career, then I want that. But I also want new theatre, and just the the fact that we don't get to... I'm like, if they can... And I know on Broadway and in the West End and in New York and in America. They have lot, a lot more theatres.
1: Like, we've, we've got... I can count on both my hands the amount of actual, like, musical-capable theatres we have in our country at any given point. And that, that's actually something interesting from what I've been hearing. A lot of producers are wanting to put on more and more shows, but they're finding it much harder and harder to find the space to do it now. Which is why I'm, I'm really thankful foundation theatres in Sydney... Has bought out a couple new performance venues in the Star, so it's making kind of like a, a miniature theatre district in Piemont, which I think is great.
0: Okay, which I love. I absolutely yeah.
1: love that. Like I'm, I'm tired of going to the Star though. Like it, it it's annoying. But that that's on the Sydney transport infrastructure rather than my own personal tastes.
0: <laughs> that's why you drive. <laughs> yes,
1: I have a motorbike. Leave me alone.
0: Um, yeah, it's. You know, it's this constant thing of I understand the revivals and I understand bringing back shows because they know it's going to sell, it's going to keep actors working. You know, take some some risks.
1: And I will put all of a massive... I'll put a massive footnote on all of this. I am never going to begrudge an actor, particularly in Australia, for taking work when it shows up. Like, if they put a piece of paper in front of you that says you're going to be impersonating Danny DeVito or something for a new musical based on his life... Like, go for it. Like, let's just do that.
0: That's the thing. It's all... That's that's why I'm saying it's such a double-edged sword because I want people to be working. I want them to be able to do their job mm. and have the life that they want. And if that means it's through revivals, then so be it. But I just also want some something fresh, something new, something... I want representation. I want diversity. And it feels like sometimes with some of these revivals
1: yeah it's as if all the older shows are the proverbial round hole and new actors are not just square pegs they are complete icosahedron shaped people who could not fit into that hole if you tried like you might be able to hammer a square peg in but new australian performers have such a diverse range of talents body types faces shapes it's beautiful but it's going to be harder and harder to find their place in the industry when, you know, we're trying to cast them in place of an actor from the 70s.
0: And that's the thing, bringing it back to what I was saying before, that with Mary Poppins, it felt like seeing individual stories on stage, not just a stick-straight ensemble that is all on the exact same wavelength. And I think that that is the thing, is casting for somebody's soul and who they are and who they are as a performer – um, and revivals that's, you know, if they're not doing something fresh and new with a revival, if they're not taking into account our modern world it, it just feels stuck in seeing the same thing over and over again, like I'm always curious especially within Australia to see what they're going to do and especially in the past year with their revivals on Broadway
1: yeah <sighs> fantastic there's so much quality so out there good. and they're reimagined versions and i i'd love to see that here and i'm not at the moment and i'm i'm worried but then you know that's showbiz baby <laughs> yeah ki- kind of a bittersweet thing to to think about Let, let's brighten it up we're coming to the end of the record so let's let's leave it on a positive note tori do you have a favorite revival of a show
0: oh a favorite revival of a show oh my god tell me yours
1: well um obviously the australian like 90s production of the pirates of penzance john english simon gallagher phenomenal reimagining which then went over to the west end tim curry wore the purple pants great brilliant i am also a real huge sucker for the new Sweeney Todd. Groban and Ashford, doing they thang. And controversially, I love the 2017 Sunday in the Park with George with Jake Gyllenhaal. I think I just have a thing for Ashford, apparently.
0: Although oh, she is getting roasted. I like have
1: many, dialect, many thoughts as a trained dialect coach, <laughs> but we're putting don't it have to the time side. For today. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much
0: for listening. <laughs> oh. oh, it's hard. I have been thoroughly enjoying all the content that has been coming out for Sweeney Todd, this most recent revival. It's, oh, oh, the, the, the tale of Sweeney Todd. Oh my god. I listen to that multiple times a day because it just, it just rattles your soul. I don't know if I have a favourite revival. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think what I've listened to. I just... I just love a revival that takes a little bit of a, a risk and a little bit of a chance. I I loved all of the revivals from this year's Tonys were phenomenal. I feel like it's the year where I wanted Parade to win and I did believe Parade would win. But I was like, you know what? This year, compared to previous years, it feels like there's legitimate competition within that category because sometimes it feels like you know okay well these three have done the exact same thing as they did 20 years ago this one has taken a chance and has brought it to now and has brought in new listeners as well so i think it's hard i don't think i have a favorite but the sweeney todd <laughs> it's up there is up there But And then speaking of new musicals that I highly recommend people listening to. I highly recommend New York, New York. I know it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea, but it feels like we have a... And I know it's not entirely new in that it's been in the works for a very long time. If you want that golden age feel now absolutely listen to it the overture for that show made me cry
1: well there we go we're talking about new theater we're talking about revivals we've done it all weirdly like new york new york technically a revival of candor and ebbs like lost work
0: yeah and that's the thing and it is really nice to have a new show that has the old feel that is my thoughts and feelings and opinions and <laughs> we could gab on for, forever
1: uh, I, I know Like when you and I start talking this stuff it never ends
0: no it doesn't and then it trails off into something completely different
1: because that is the curse of the neurodiverse thank you so much for having me on Tori
0: thank you for taking the time to come on and chat to us today Gareth and chookers for the rest of your season in
1: In Adelaide. We are here in Adelaide till late August. We are selling so quickly. Adelaide has been really kind to us. We'll be heading to Perth for the end of the year.
0: Very, very exciting. Well, sugars for the rest of your season. And you guys, that is it for our episode today. Uh, Until next time, stay happy, healthy, and safe, and we will
1: see you then. Bye!